This week on Ultra 64, we play Automobili Lamborghini, World Driver Championship, and California Speed. Yes, somehow there are still racing games left to play. Welcome everyone to Welcome to Squiddly Dow, Woodly Dow, Squiddly Doo Chow, Kabow, Kabow, Kabow. This is Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. And we are putting that pedal to the damn old metal. And we we're are squeebling along with the background squeeblies. <laughs> I'm Squeeb Guntley. Yeah. Hello, I am Master of Squeebly Doo Air Mouth Guitar, Woody Siskowski. <laughs> Welcome. Is that Evan. why you chose to pair these? To pair the three games, because you pair things in threes. I right? do. I have that's, a uh, yeah. That that's the best way to do it. Yeah, the pairs of three. Um, so yeah, no, I've got a database of how squeebly a game is, and let me tell you, these games right near the top of the squeeble factor. Yeah, there's something um, you. We played three different games, and they all had some things in common. I mm-hmm. would say one of those things was they all involved cars. Yeah, and then they all involved generic squeebly d's in the. In yeah. the background music. Yeah, no, I can never have enough squeebly Ds. I would say California Speed is probably our squeebliest, but yeah. we also talked about Automobili Lamborghini and World Driver Championship. What if it was called Automobili Lamborghini Squiggly Bs? <laughs> squiggly Beanie, Abalalini. Uh, so we're just, uh, now this is the podcast about two guys who've had a stroke and are trying to talk about car games. Though I would say this, this is the time we've really reverted back to normalcy of what this podcast is I would because say so. this is really the heart of the podcast ridiculous nonsense got, well and two people who are very bored of racing games having it's to true. play more and talk about them it's for almost true. an hour there are so many of these and luckily as has become tradition when we're talking about these generic racing games we have some questions from listeners to help kind of round out the conversation give us random stuff to talk about take a little breather we also have a lot of really great letters from you guys Dear this Steve week and Woody, what is your favorite joe satriani Song. Well, my personal favorite. No, never mind. Um, let's talk about our first game today. Uh, we are going to be talking about Automobili Lamborghini, released November 30th, 1997, published and developed by Titus France, and this is an N64 exclusive. I should get this out of the way right now. I think the general theme of our games this week is uh, general lack of ambition. I think with okay. one exception. The, the, there's one exception that I think uh, really surprised me here, but... It was not Automobili Lamborghini. It was not Automobili Lamborghini. The only thing surprising about it was the superfluous eyes. Yeah, yeah, so many extra eyes. Let's talk a little bit about Lamborghini since this is a branded game. It's a sequel to the NES game 99 Eyes. 99 (laughs) Eyes, everyone's favorite. Uh, So the Lamborghini is maybe the most expensive and coveted luxury vehicle in the world. Therefore (laughs) the best. It's the Harvard of cars. It is the creation of Ferruccio Lamborghini, who is an Italian businessman who founded the company in 1963 as a direct uh, to compete directly with his rival Enzo Ferrari, who had dominated the Italian luxury car market since 1939. 
Uh, so the company has produced 13 different production models and about half a dozen limited edition vehicles. Uh, so around the time that this game came out, Lambo was producing the Diablo. Uh, if you're around my age and you have any kind of idea of a Lamborghini in your head, you're probably thinking of the Countach, the very angular one. You know, the one that's no, like, I don't. It's very slow and flat and angular and usually bright okay. yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's... Yeah. So if you think of like a uh, ostentatious sports car from the 80s, it's probably a Lamborghini sure. Countach. Uh, so unlike Ferrari, Lamborghini has never really had a big presence on the racing scene, which is great for a racing game. Uh, <laughs> the closest the company came was a brief period from 1989 to 1993 when they supplied engines to F1 manufacturers. But uh, none of the cars that they supplied engine for ever finished a race. It would be in like first. The, the Michael Jordan branded baseball game. Kind of. This is beloved in one thing. So let's uh, <laughs> let's get his license for this, something that he's not really known for. <laughs> Michael Jordan World Series of Poker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the average price for a Lamborghini is about two hundred thousand dollars, but they can go upwards of five million dollars. <laughs> The most expensive model ever sold was a Veneno Roadster that went for $9.3 million. Uh, but Lamborghini once again lost to his old rival Ferrari in that category because the most expensive car that has ever been sold is a 1963 Ferrari GTO that sold for $70 million. The, oh my God, people have too much money. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about in general just because a lot of these nerd hobbies that we're into have sort of, I mean, are far from... The, these levels but you yeah. definitely realize that as you know people get older and they accrue more pocket change that there's just it really annoys me these things that are like their appeal is how expensive they are yeah and it's something that i get frustrated about with video game collecting in general because what i want is for people to just be able to play games that they want yeah and not be like well this game is five hundred dollars so good luck good luck playing it yeah um, at least with like you can it's a balm a little bit for the video game collecting that the really expensive ones also tend to be really shitty usually so yeah, you can talk it, yourself out of it yeah um, exactly you know. but it's just i guess things that exist are like if you're into magic the gathering and you're like i'm gonna spend thousands of you know i'm gonna spend an extra hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to make sure all my deck is foil yeah and it's like you know maybe you should donate that extra thousand to something else something but yeah I, I i guess i just don't like things where the value is in how expensive they are and right. it, it just becomes like a show off of what you have i i but. think when i was like I don't know, a young kid in the 80s and 90s, like a Lamborghini seemed like a cool idea, even as somebody who wasn't really into cars. Sure. I'm like, ooh, man, imagine being able to afford a Lamborghini. Now, if I see something like that, I just think, wow, what a douchebag. Like, <laughs> that's my first thought. If I see a really nice car, it's like, wow, that asshole. Like, okay, yeah. he's really got something to prove to somebody. But I guess in theory, he doesn't care what you think. But then he does because he has a Lamborghini. He has a Lamborghini. So, so, yeah. He clearly so, cares what people think about him. So, But we don't know. I, have you ever driven one? I can't like, say that I have. No, we no. got to go down to the Lamborghini dealership with, like, monocles and, like, fake money and be like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> How does this differ from a train, which yeah. I can also afford? By yeah. chance, can we take this for a test drive? <laughs> Uh, this is my blind uncle, Al Pacino, and yeah. he's going to drive us around. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I never fetishized cars to this degree, and I feel like Lamborghini is kind of like the ultimate car fetishist, like 
item of lust, I guess, you know? Though what I will say is for, you know, we've just been talking, it's the title of the game and we've Mm. been talking about it for the past five minutes or so, but this game really doesn't do a very good job of having any of that in the game itself. No, very lightly. I mean, for all the money they must have spent to get the Lamborghini brand, they really don't lean into it very much. So this game is actually a sequel. There was an earlier Titus game called Lamborghini American Challenge on the Super NES in 1994. And then in 1998, there was a re-release of this game we're playing today over in Japan. And it was called Automobili Lamborghini Super Speed Race 64, where it was kind of retrofit into a classic Namco series called Super Speed. Uh, and that's it. Like, they just kind of slapped a different game onto this game, called it a Super Edition, sold it for more money, huh. and that's it. Okay. Um, but yeah, for a game titled Automobili Lamborghini, you you would think the entire roster of cars would be Lamborghinis, right? And you'd right? think like they'd be really detailed. Like yeah. it would tell you like the history of a specific model and it let you like zoom in and pan around it and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And- Nothing really. Uh, you you get two different varieties of Lamborghini. One that's supposed to look like a uh, Diablo. One that's supposed to look like a Countach. And then the other cars are a uh, Porsche 959, a Ferrari F50, a Ferrari Testarossa, a Dodge Viper, and a McLaren F1, and a Bugatti EB110. None of which are Lamborghini. There's equal amounts of Ferraris in here, you know? And uh, that just seems like kind of a waste of a license, you know? Well, I guess they went and got all those licenses, and whoever paid them the most got to be the title of the game. I guess, yeah. It's like slightly more. All the cars kind of look the same. They all pretty much look the same. It's very, like... Yeah, like you were describing, sort of tight to the ground, lots of lots of curves. Yeah. Um, that being said, the the cars don't look bad. No. Um, they're good, solid models in this. Um, I would say the backgrounds and the races are pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, this is the grayest one of the three games that we played. Like everything's just kind of just kind of foggy and bog standard, you know. Which is generally the way I would describe this game. There's no real hook here beyond the Lamborghini thing I think the one which again it's just not leaned into enough and that's sort of what that's the thing that's so odd about this is like if you're gonna make that the title yeah you you just you got to offer a little more than just sort of bare bones sort of bland racing yeah yeah I I mean I want like a realistic sim like a Lamborghini selling sim where you're like in the car lot and you have to talk people up to buy this like vastly overpriced car I just want to simulate the experience of having a Lamborghini like you go home your wife hates you (laughs) you know you're trying to flirt with your 20 year old secretary but she's just really not buying it because you're 45 and sad and paunchy but you've got that Lamborghini man and uh, you go out there and reverently pet it every night by pressing a over and over that's the game i want that's yeah. uh, the one thing this game does that i did get very excited about when we discovered it is uh the pit stops um oh, yeah. and again this isn't even terribly exciting but in a previous episode about the racing games we talked about like things i would like to see and how a pit stop mini game would like just make that much more fun yeah and this is the first time we've seen this on the nintendo 64 where it did it uh the mini game you it's have to, it's jiggling the stick up and down and yeah, then so spinning like simulate it. inserting the gas pump in there i guess that's what you're doing yeah is because it, then it's fueling and then when you have to spin the tires you just have the to mario party mario uh, party style glow, glow. hey we found another game to use with your mario party glow perfect you don't yeah have yet, shred your hands a little yeah. bit for that no uh, that that is good but the i mean this is going to come back to a problem we've talked about over and over but hey when you play like five what what is this, this is our 60th racing game or something, something in there we're going to yeah. be repeating ourselves yeah we hit a rich vein uh, 
thing when we decided to talk about Nintendo 64. <laughs> yeah, um, is the cars are just too, too damn hard to catch up. Yeah. It's, just, it's, I think that's kind of the thing I've learned about the racing games that we played so far. I think that's kind of the difference between a good one and a bad one is can you win a race? If you're of a moderate to low skill level like ourselves in racing games, can you win a race by playing normally? Well, can you get not eighth? Can you get not last place? If you That's... fall behind, can you catch back up? Yeah. Uh, and in this case, no, you cannot. And it's not even close. Like, there's no kind of slingshot mechanic here at all. If you fall behind, or even if you tap your brake, then you're kind of done. Um, and, oh my god, this has the worst... Like yeah, this is what they don't tell you when you're, when you're buying a Lamborghini at the lot. They're like, don't touch grass on that thing. The car will seize right it up on you. It is kryptonite to Lamborghinis. <laughs> yeah. Like the single blade of grass will make this thing go into conniptive fits. We need to stay this away from it. This is what it's it. driving a car. I, I've never driven on grass. Oh, wait. Yes, I have. No, you can barely notice because cars run fine on grass. It's a car. It's got <laughs> rubber tires. It's it made for this. lots of power to go over whatever surface. But in this game... Your high-powered, very expensive car, as soon as you hit grass, you drop about 100 miles an hour. Oh, my God. And, and you can't get up. not control anymore. If you touch yeah. the joystick at any point while you're in the grass, you will start going in circles and you won't be able to get out. And uh, don't even try to think about backing up because this game does not let you reverse. That's extra. That's like that's, that's, extra. A, that's a premium feature. In the that's in the Japanese one. Okay. Yeah, they, they, you, they charge more, but you can reverse now. Yeah. Uh, that feels like just a big oversight in any kind of racing game because, I mean... I Ideally, you're going to need to reverse you, at some how point. How are you going to get that first clue in Ready Player One? Exactly. That's... Exactly. You never think of it. It'd be impossible with a Lamborghini game. And, and just generally, like, the controls in this game are super touchy. Like, you barely want to move that stick. Like, yeah. the N64 joystick has a pretty wide range of motion. Like, you really want to push it to the side. And this, you just slightly tilt it with your thumb and the car feels very floaty so it can be very unforgiving if you get off the track it's just all over the place i mean it's it's enjoyable in those little bursts where you're staying on the track and you're keeping up with everybody but it's so easy for everything to just go horribly awry yeah. like just so so easy uh it's kind of a mess that being said might be the most playable titus game we've encountered so far okay. like yeah. well, i mean maybe virtual was, chess yeah ooh, yeah was, so we, well, we got virtual chess superman 64 in this uh yeah we also played xena and okay. hercules well, xena was kind of fun xena was a little fun xena yeah. was a little fun and then we still got carmageddon uh coming oh i'm sure carmageddon's great so how good. could it not be um yeah multiplayer there the frame rate held up fine in two player yeah. um and this does have the option for like ai controlled uh racers but from what i understand they're not very good um i don't know if we turn those on mm. in this one but yeah i think there are ai racers no, in this. Did, isn't there there was default ai racers i'm pretty sure that we got fifth and sixth respectively oh yeah <laughs> okay that's yeah. right i'm remembering now sorry some of these bleed together yeah they bleed together instantly instantly uh, and i feel bad like i really am trying to give these racing games a fair shake but I think anybody, even the most devout racing fan, if you boot up Automobile Lamborghini, you're just like, yeah, this is a, this is a standard ass racing game. This is this is a generic boring racing. It game. has four uh, four player mode. Yeah, um, not all these a lot of these racing games are just two players. In but um, we didn't try the four player. No, uh, no. Do you have anything else to say about this one? I mean, you got your standard modes like there's the series um, that you can you know save and race. There was like. 
there was confusingly like there's no locations in this game in the sense like it doesn't really tell you where you're racing no it's not just, really they're just track and numbers and sort of layouts and i definitely set like one track and then it just took me back to the default yeah it kind of just one. ignored you yeah, yeah you, you was, changed the number of laps you wanted to do very odd i don't know i feel like this game is doesn't I don't. There's just not. It's not arcadey enough to just kind of be dumb fun. No. But it also doesn't have a great sim feel or sort of customizability that you want. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't really think of anything that this game has going for it, and the license is just so underexplored. Yeah, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I don't care about pretending to drive a fake Lamborghini. But you see, know? I, but like, I'm, I mean, if but, you but did you care, could. like this is marketed to someone who cares right. about that, and you're and not going to get your money's worth. It's not getting your money's worth. Yeah, so. you're really not. You're really not. Not not like you do when you buy a Lamborghini itself. It's true. <laughs> it's true. You will get minutes of enjoyment yeah. out of that before your insurance premiums go through the roof because you will be getting pulled over um all right well cool let's move on to our first discussion question of the episode this one comes to us from jono and rainy uh and they said you play games for only an hour understandable but can you think of any games where its greatness isn't evident in the first hour um many many yeah um i feel like we had a really good example just last week with paper mario yeah uh because I feel like that game really clicks in when you start to build out your party a little bit and when you start to get the time hits. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't start with the timing mechanic. You don't start with the time hits. It takes, it takes right about an hour for you to get that. And when that mechanic comes in, it really, really soars. I would also say that Ocarina of Time, I don't like the beginning of that game. No? I think that that game is a real slog at the beginning when the guy's like, you can't leave the forest until you get the shield. And you can't, you got to buy, and then you're just running around in this little area of the forest, like trying to get 70 rupees. Yeah. I know that it's sort of a tutorial, but I I don't like it very much. I also, I, you know, for what it's worth, I'm also not crazy about the Deku tree as like an introductory level because it is kind of bland. Yeah. Like okay. it's just kind of dark and brown. Yeah, it's and mostly I, just meant to like introduce the mechanics yeah of it no all, totally but, yeah, but yeah. i feel like it takes a while and I, like i feel like once you hit hyrule field and you start getting that epic music it's yeah like you're like wow this is really impressive but it takes a while to get there i guess like another question to add on to this would be can you think of any rpgs that are good immediately or that take that don't take an hour to really kind of get used to uh yeah i've been playing final fantasy 4 uh okay. for the psp and that really uh that really clicks right in. Pretty, cool. Pretty, pretty. Well, I guess pretty Final Fantasy VI does as well. Like that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, I, they that start one in meteor res. Yeah, yeah. Both those games start with you as the villain. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would also I would throw Final Fantasy VII remake in there since I'm playing that right now, and I just got like maybe nine hours into it, and I feel like I'm finally at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm really liking this. Like I was, I was, yeah, I was a like. Too uh, far. I, I mean, I was at the point where like, uh, this is fine. I'll, I'll keep playing this. This is really pretty to look at. It's fun to play. Uh, but now, like a little bit into it, it's starting to get really weird and really leaning into mm-hmm. the differences. So I'm starting to enjoy it a lot That's more. That's a thing in general that I think is, um, I mean, I'm looking at the list of N64 games. I think... Um, <laughs> That's a problem that I have generally with a lot of way a lot of games are designed now. Like the new God, God of War for PS4, like so much of the beginning of that and The Last of Us. I guess the Sony games are pretty mm. guilty of this. Yeah. You literally just walk down a corridor and someone's talking to you. Yeah. And they're like, now you climb this ladder. Now you climb this vine and like, fo- follow me, son. And it's just like, they give you the illusion that you're playing the game, but it takes so long for things to sort of 
get started that first like scuffle you get in in the new god of war with that first boss that that that's a ridiculously long fight Mm -hmm. like for you not really knowing what's going on in the game yet it's like (laughs) such a long fight um i will say that i think sometimes this has worked out in some games favor i think there's a couple games that we've played for the podcast that in our time playing we haven't really gotten an understanding of the mechanics and we're like this seems cool but i feel like um was... hybrid heaven and battle zone are oh, yeah. two games we're like this seems like it could be really neat but i'm not sure if it is or not um, i'm i'm more inclined to think hybrid heaven is and uh, battle, battle zone probably not. isn't yeah. uh yeah yeah but yeah, there are definitely some that I think could have stood with a little bit more. Uh, in it. Castlevania, I think the two Castlevania games we played on the N64 are also ones that take about an hour to open up a little bit. Though so, I imagine that the the level that they improved to is not yeah not not, not dramatic, but you do get chased by a Frankenstein with a chainsaw at one point, you know. So that's that's something. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jono and Rainy, for that question. That's awesome. Uh, let's move on to our next game here which is California Speed, which don't listen to Breaking Bad. That is the best place to get your speed. <laughs> uh, is released February 28th, 1999, developed by Atari and one of our first of two games published by Midway today. Also released in arcades. This is an arcade port. Um, so the arcade cabinet of California Speed was released in 1998. It is entirely possible you saw this cabinet at some point in your life and just assumed it was Cruising USA because <laughs> they're pretty much using the same font. It's the same uh, cabinet design. It's the same gameplay. It might even be like the same board and they had like extra Cruising USA like, because that's what they did with NBA Jam. Yeah. They're like, okay, this game's really popular, but now the game's kind of old and people need something new. So they just sent out NBA hangtime boards to yeah. the places and they could just replace the board in the same machine. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even doubt it. Like, it's very similar to everything Cruisin' does. But in some ways, like, it's sloppier. Oh, like, it's so sloppy. Like, this this is such a mess of a game. And I find it so endearing because of that. Because it's just all over the place and extremely goofy. Yeah. Um, but the big hook here, I guess, is... The locations, you know, so California is the star of this game, obviously. Yeah. And so there's about uh, how many locations? 16 stages, uh, five of which are uh, unique to the N64, one of which is just called California, okay. which I'm like, so it California, works. California? Like what? <laughs> Maybe I, I it's don't... like, uh, did you ever play SSX3? No. It had a really cool thing where um, the individual tracks would be parts of the mountain but you could also go to the top of the mountain and race like every track Mm. and it would take like 20 minutes oh maybe it's um, that yeah which was really cool um i think that the stages in this game are great they're pretty fun this is um usually a pretty common complaint and something that you know sucked in automobile is Mm -hmm. like you have four laps and it takes you two minutes a lap and you're like well i'm bored of this after the first lap yeah um this game does not suffer from that problem because like you race through Los Angeles, and they really just like cram everything. You're like, oh, there's the Hollywood sign. Yeah, oh, there's you know, there's the bay. Oh, being there's... abducted by aliens now. <laughs> yeah, it's well, that great. was in that was in the Mojave Desert. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was the Mojave. Yeah, yeah. but there, there's always something goofy happening in the background, which makes it much more endearing. I was having a lot of fun playing the LA level in a golf cart <laughs> because it's like an extremely fast golf cart with a really bad like. 
I don't know, like a little Lego or, or Duplo guy, <laughs> yeah. like in the front seat. He doesn't look like a real human. Well, I mean, this game graphically sucks. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> such a mess. But some of the levels you get include like uh, Santa Cruz, Monterey, Mount Shasta, Mojave Desert, Highway 1, Los Angeles, bunch of other ones. Um, I don't know. I, I, get, I think it's... I love California. I'm originally from California. I guess I understand the appeal that California is a very diverse state. I don't know if a game entirely set in California is enough of a hook for me. So okay. I'm glad that they well, went I mean, goofy. they already cruised the USA. They already we cruised, cruised the world. The Exotica. Cruised, yeah. yeah we, we cruised all over that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's nice to go small. And I mean, I do think that they really explore it well like it's cool to i mean it's a good variety of like you're in the city and then you're exploring the national park yeah i don't, I don't know if there's any smoky bear cameos but i don't know there should be like just telling you to stop starting fires on the side of the road um yeah so it it's all right let's talk about the yeah. the issues that i have here so we started by playing the multiplayer this time usually we go single player and then multiplayer but this time we did the split screen and the first thing you're going to notice is your car because it takes up <laughs> your entire screen. Yeah. Uh, you have three camera angles. You can either go inside the cockpit. Go very close, first person, or slightly less close. Exactly. Like. All of your options are bad because, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I hate playing racing games from a first person perspective. I it just... will be, well, the problem with it is you have no idea like how wide your car is. Yeah. So like you're trying to avoid other traffic on the road and you're like, oh, that's to the right of me, but you'll still hit it. Yeah, yeah. You can't see the sort of edges of your car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it's it's just kind of a problem because... I feel like what I want to see in this game is all the goofy shit happening on the out, on the right. margins, and I want to get a sense of speed, which admittedly this game has. Like this, it's a really good, like really fast moving mm -hmm. arcade kind of experience. But any car but the golf cart is just going to take up entirely too much real estate on it, your screen. Yeah, and it seems it seems like a much worse problem in the two player because yeah. your screen area is a lot less. Yeah, and so yeah. I mean, mostly the car takes up a bunch of your horizontal vision but it doesn't like scale you know for for <laughs> multiplayer like it should be scaling so that you can see the more of the car but it just doesn't yeah yeah and because like when one player you can see above it and actually see what's upcoming and then in two player you just all you can see is the back of your uh convertible driver's head um, yeah and the camera is also like pretty wobbly like as you turn um it seems like the camera is kind of tailing out to one side or the other yeah yeah i mean generally speaking this is just uh, an extremely unambitious like arcade racer yeah. um but i i i liked how like counter to the last game we yeah. played uh grass and dirt and any rocks anything else uh have no effect you might as well be driving on anything I like mean, everything <laughs> you you never lose a sense of momentum even for a second yeah like the one of the worst games we played that was monster truck madness yeah and one of the, the really shitty things about that was none of the terrain seemed to have an effect and like the the, the trade-off was that though is you could just kind of go anywhere and you just get super off of the level and super lost and yeah. this like you're always driving forward and it just feels silly to drive fast over the golf course it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like necessarily the game is broken it's just like that was the choice that they had made yeah they just everything is just painted pavement and it, it all just doesn't matter which i can appreciate because you know speed is right there in the title they mm -hmm. want to capture that sense of speed and they don't want anything slowing you down and physics be damned because and I, and they don't I do care. think that it works well just because 
the levels are well designed and there's such a variety of what you drive on so it, it is fun to just sort of be driving through the national park it, yeah. it's all this has the uh cruising thing where you just drive through trees like the trees oh yeah they just explode. explode yeah yeah it also has the cruising thing of having bikini girls waiting for you yeah. at the finish line oh it also has the cruising thing of the squeebly d's oh yeah this I, is the squeebly d's of yeah. the games so yeah. yeah we forgot to mention automobile has some you know guitar squeebles and deebles, some light squeebles you can see you can hear the italian man squeebling they're they're kind they're both bland and yeah. annoying and repetitive this really fits the game it shreds it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it honestly shreds it and does it's la i mean and it sounds like a musician in a studio like it sounds like people actually playing music rather than just like a synthesizer you mm -hmm. know yeah no that was i think that really added to the game and so yeah so the two player i don't know most of these games like i don't have we we haven't encountered many of them that have a really fun two-player mode Not in these really. kind of racing games i feel like because if you want to play something arcadey it's hard not to just want to play like mario kart or f-zero yeah um and if you want to play something sort of more simulation you really want that full screen space yeah and totally. you really want to kind of think out what you're doing and so to just have half a screen and not be able to see the turns is not very fun in the simulation games. no not very not very there is one thing uh notable to talk about in this game i found this on the wiki and then i kind of looked into it uh there was a weird catch from a reddit user that they posted in 2012 to like a, a creepypasta sub thread okay. uh so in the mojave desert level one of the billboards in the background doesn't have any pictures and instead it just has this very creepy out of place poem which i will now read to you and apologies for how creepy this is Sometimes God takes mommies and puppies away, and sometimes, just sometimes, I do. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Why is that in this game? I, so there was. I'm debating whether or not that's in this game. I don't know. I, I didn't I don't see know if the it. The creepypasta is the most reliable source here. Steve. It's not possible. It could also just be like in the arcade. I think and it I is supposed to be. I also feel like there. this was like someone was like, okay, what's a game that's obscure enough that people will not actually go check me on this? Yeah. But like somewhat well-known enough that people will be like oh yeah that sounds like a real that's a real game well there was but, an interview with a developer okay. when they were asking about it oh, so okay. uh any so, someone really doing the work someone really did the work on this uh they talked to somebody and uh, they said that the poem was put in as filler text on the uh one of the billboards when because the game was under very tight deadlines to launch on the n64 and so one of the background artists put that in as a placeholder because in his words that text was so fucking stupid there was no way it could possibly be confused for a shipping asset okay. so the goal was to put in something so dumb and so terrible that uh it just wouldn't possibly it wouldn't possibly be missed and put in the game okay that tracks but then they hit crunch time and it wound up in the game after all still no word on where it came from or who wrote it <laughs> I think that's the thing that creeps me out. Is just like, oh, you just had this lying around and you put it in a game. Like, it might have been recycled from an old horror game or something. Uh, Boy, no I got to really tell knows. you though, reading. I mean, whoever discovered that, I don't know if they like were emulating this game and got it to run on 4K on their monitor or something because it is really hard to read. Billboards It'd be hard. And then true. Truth to be told, we we played the Mojave level in two player, which was much sure. foggier than single player. That's so true. maybe we need to replay and see if it's there. You go ahead. I'm, I'm you, gonna you, do you, it. You, I'm you all do over the it. hard work because you know what I I. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to defend this as a good game. This is not a good game. No. Uh, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't play it over any of the cruising games. But uh, it's such a hot mess that it's just kind of fun. It uh, was a nice counterpoint to Automobili, where we were just getting stuck in the grass, driving yeah. in circles. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Why is this not doing what I want to something where you can just 
drive forward with reckless abandon. Just un, un, unheated, just charging through everything. Nothing will ever stop you. And it was fun that they had a golf cart. I would hope, like, many of the cruising games have, less, like, super goofy vehicles that you can unlock. Yeah. And I would hope that this game, like, gives you more goofy vehicles later. But yeah. I think that the golf cart was all that you had to start. The golf cart was easily the best one because yeah. it also takes up the le- least real estate and yeah. you can see the most of the screen. It's great. Well, uh, speaking of cruising, we actually have our next discussion question from Robert Brower, who was our guest on the Cruising USA oh. episode. So thank you, Robert. Uh, and he asks, what game that you've played on the show would best be served with a current gen remake? So, um, yeah, uh, I I tend to always go with the games that had bigger ideas than the system could handle at sure. the time. So I feel like my knee-jerk response to this is Body Harvest. Sure. Um, because that game had so many cool ideas that just uh, could not be done on the N64. Um, But I don't know. Do you have have one? um, I have a few, but yeah. One thing I always think is interesting, there's so many remakes, or we're in like an age of remasters Mm -hmm. where people are going back just one generation, which I feel like is really weird because it's like, oh, look, we're doing a Demon's Souls remaster. It's like, you know, you can play Demon's Souls for the PS3. Still looks fine. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not like that game is that dated. No. Um, and yeah, like they're like, oh, look, you can play all the Uncharted games now. And it's like... I could play them before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of that is because not much work has to be done there. No. Because those games already feel modern. Yeah. They are modern, whereas you dig back to like body harvest you can't just make like oh body harvest but it's in hd now you yeah have to remake like <laughs> that the thing's in thing. hd it's just <laughs> you just see how extra shitty it is yeah yeah um so i mean the n64 i think is ripe for a lot of games here that would function really well as remakes mm. um though i'm not sure how well it would do as a remaster i i'm gonna put a hat in for uh mystical ninja starring goey mod mm, yeah um, just smooth game, it out, get it a, a higher frame rate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that mechanically, most of that game works really well. Um, if it just, I think that the graphics really have not aged well because sometimes no. they get in the way of actually being able to see where you want to go. Right. So if they were designed in such a way to just be cleaner, I don't think you'd have to change a ton about that game to no. keep it fun. No, not really. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would also throw like Space Station Silicon Valley yeah. in there. Again, just a game that suffered from very poor controls that could be resolved on a new system. Uh, win back would be another i think that that had a lot of super cool ideas that just weren't well implemented though i think well, that not well win back implemented it pretty well but. yeah but i think that win back would also feel like super dated because yeah. it's a game that like stuff just other games just took the mechanics and did it better and it's true so it's like oh this is a kind of bad cover base shooter yeah um i also i would love to see a um chameleon twist oh just yeah like combine chameleon twist one and two into one game and make it look better again i think that that game is unique enough mm-hmm. that you don't have to do a ton of redoing just like trim out some of the frustrating levels and make the camera better and you have like yeah. i think that the kind hard... of give it the treatment that the new spyro games yeah. got the remaster of those i think that the hard part is there's just not there's not like a sweet spot of 30 20 or 30 dollar games usually i feel like things either come out for like 10 or 15 bucks that are like on the very sort of smaller indie side or yeah. you know they're a 70 dollar big budget game or 90 dollars with a statue that comes <laughs> yeah. with it yeah well where's my chameleon twist statue and i, I know. feel like yeah chameleon twist would do well as like 
this is a sort of remake $20 game, but I'm not sure that you can sell a game with that niche of an audience for... You've been put in, like, the money to actually remaster it. Right. I'm not sure that the audience is there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Robert, for that question. That is awesome. Let's move on to our last game of the day, and that is World Driver Championship. What was that title? World Driver Championship. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I wasn't looking at it, I'd forget it, too. Uh, released May 31st, 1999, developed by Boss Game Studios and published by Midway, and this is an N64 exclusive. We have talked about Boss Game Studios before. They are the studio responsible for our favorite snowboarding game, Twisted Edge Extreme Snowboarding. Oh, yeah. It was um, not very good. It was not, but it seems like racing is more their niche because we're going to be talking about them again with the Top Gear and the Stunt Racer games. Uh, and they are, uh, Didn't they we were. play those? No, no. I, and again, like, I think we, we legitimately had that issue last week that we haven't played these yet. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they were based out of Redden, Washington, but they went under in 2002, like most game companies did. All right, what happened so, in 2002? So I, the market kind of like bottomed out around that time. It's just most of the uh, gate, like smaller game studios we're looking at for this show tend to disappear around 2002 to 2004. Hmm. Like I think that's around was the time it, Midway just, and Acclaim both went under. I guess it was like. There's not a lot of like B grade studios now, is there? Not There's really. Like it's kind of, of the monolith, and uh, uh, I mean the same way that like you know film production is like you either have sort of a big AAA game or yeah. just sort of like schlock or you know something you, just indie, very low development costs. So, I feel like, like I, you have to kind of work to find a bad, like a truly bad game anymore. When, yes. Like they used to kind of just pass well, them off as AAA titles. Yeah, that's true. In and, the eShop, I'm sure you could find plenty. Oh, you can find but, plenty, but but it, like for for like a disc-based like AAA game, like it really needs to yeah. have gone wrong. They need to do something with the Nintendo eShop where they stop, like if a game is listed in that um, on sale in that eShop for like two months, yeah. they need to stop featuring it because there's so many games that are like nine cents and it's just like clearly someone's like repurposed flash game right you're like why is this taking up slots in the eShop? Like, yeah yeah why, it, why are we bothering with this yeah. yeah um so the back of the game's box boasts of the best graphics on the nintendo 64 and this is this, this a tight order, tall it's a, order it's a tall order and you know what this game it looks fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like, uh, World Driver Championship. Look out, Rakuga kids. Look out, Rakuga kids, because holy shit, this game looked really, really fucking good. Like, I think you could put it next to Gran Turismo, like the original Gran Turismo, and I think it would favor well. Yeah. Um, I was game, very impressed. If you were playing this game and I didn't see what console you were playing it on, you're like, this is a PS2 game. I'd be like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. It's kind of a low-res PS2 game, but yeah, it doesn't. It looks okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it moves at a great frame rate. The, the car models are gorgeous, and they've got really great details, like reflections coming off the rear windshield. Uh, very, like, I mean, it's a game smooth polygons. Clearly, like making it look good was like the purpose and yeah. you can tell that a lot of the graphics sort of are designed to show that off like the one of the levels you go through a tunnel and there's like light beams coming in through the tunnel and yeah. then you go out into this village and there's sort of sun flares that are like behind the houses and as your angle changes the sun flare goes away and then you come yeah. back out and it comes back it's, it's really impressive it really it really is um and 
I do wonder if the game's kind of general bare bones features is just a result of all the trimming and cutting they needed to do to get this good looking of a game running on a cartridge. That's possible, but it's not. I mean, it's not any more bare bones than these other games that we played. I guess that's fair, which yeah. Don't which achieve, don't take advantage yeah. of that at all. Which I think is more of a criticism of those games, but. I mean, the biggest complaint I have about this game is just that that title is uh, just guaranteed to make me not pay attention to it. Like. Yeah, you. Yeah, I think you said last week. It's like, didn't I'm sure we already play World Driver Championship, which is like very easy to confuse with like V Rally or or, or GT sixty four. I think the thing know? that's hard is as generic as like GT Rally or G, you know, yeah, title all those. is. But at least like if you were excited about rally racing, mm-hmm. you would know that that's what that game was. Yeah, World Driver Championship tells you nothing about the style of racing game that this is no it's not really even branded in any way but to tell you what kind of what style of racing game this is this is like a straight up gran turismo style simulator it's trying to be uh as realistic as possible without going into the same functionality that gran turismo has or the same uh uh, level of detail so like you're you're not going to be tuning your car here or painting it or doing anything which i don't miss that's not something that i care about but i think for a game that looks this good it's kind of a shame that that's not here because yeah that would kind of make it a pretty definitive version of this game for n64 i think that's the thing setting it like i think that's the reason why you would still go with gran turismo over this is because just that extra layer of detail and gran turismo has like a ton of cars yeah oh yeah um and that are super varied and like this game just this one only has what like six or seven like only four of them and they display very nicely of like acceleration top speed and then they have the little dots um yeah one thing that kind of jumping around here, but one thing that we found in this game, which was really nice, is this game does have a sort of a catch-up slingshot mechanic mm-hmm. where if you're behind, the cars in front of you will slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you can turn that on and off in the options, which is exactly how it should be. That should be on by default. And if you decide you really want to punish yourself, you can turn that off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I really liked the nuance in the driving, though. Like, it's there. Like, uh, I was figuring out how to drift around corners. You can't do do just like Mario Kart style, like hold your drift button, skid into it. You need to kind of feather touch your brake button and then just like let go of your steering wheel before you spin out. Which is very possible to do, but luckily you can reverse in yeah. this game, and the grass doesn't kill you. And it, the steering wheel is just general, or the steering, the, the joystick stick, yeah. is not nearly as touchy in this game. It's like, kind of the opposite yeah. of Lamborghini. You like, really have to sort of push hard to get your turn, and mm-hmm. then sort of straighten out. But it feels good. I mean, it has that sort of satisfying "I'm in the zone" method that mm-hmm. you want from a game like this, where you really feel like you're snaking around curves nicely yeah yeah you you really do feel like you're improving as you go along and as you're kind of getting used to the momentum of it it does i mean maybe maybe this is just kind of a uh side effect of playing this right after california speed it feels a little sluggish um because like it's the, trying the sense to, of speed the sense of speed isn't quite there but it's right. also more accurate to what this, that speed would feel like you know you're not well, you're in not california speed you're going 200 miles an hour yeah, yeah this is like you're topping out at one 
120. Also, I mean, California Speed kind of the backgrounds just look like a blur all the time. Right. So it kind of tricks you into feeling like you're going fast. He's like, oh, I can't see those trees at all. (laughs) This game, zero distance fog, zero distance fog at all. We do get a little bit of pop up, but not to a distracting level. Pop up is all in the background. It's all the background. Yeah, it's not too bad. And Um, like the sky, I don't know. Again, it is a really impressive looking game. Like the sky effects look good. You can see clouds that are like very sort of detailed and well designed. There's mountains in the distance that don't so many games like things in the distance just look like sort of oh i kind that they're they're going for a sort of mountain aesthetic yeah like here they're like oh yeah those are mountains yeah 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 it's very clear platonic they're not like the sort of interpretive idea of a mountain the the theme of a mountain (laughs) the, the general aura of mountains yeah no, yeah, and it's all very clear, even in two-player. Like, there's only one or two-player multiplayer here, but we do get AI-controlled cars, which uh, were working better than the Lamborghini ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, really no... I mean, I guess it's a little choppier in two-player, but not noticeably, no, even really. With the, even with the AI cars in there, it still runs very smooth. I mean, it's the same problem of it's just harder to see things in the split screen. Yeah. You just... It, it's sort of harder to plan where you're doing. This game doesn't give you the little arrow turns before you go which uh lamborghini did yeah um which i find they are kind of a crutch but i find them useful in the two-player mode because it can kind of be hard to see ahead of you that's true especially on a split screen yeah Mm -hmm. things get a little crowded uh there was also just like one of the few times i was interested in watching the replay because they have really nice like modern looking cinematic camera angles on this replay yeah much like uh you know mario kart 8 they sort of smartly cut to different areas where like maybe your car runs into something or it's just a good angle on there and it looks professional well it looks really nice you can even go into the options and change your resolution to like normal or high def the high def sort of shrinks your screen by like a third yeah letterbox is it really bad much less appealing way to play the game and i honestly didn't notice much of a difference but like it's cool that they really pulled out all the stops to try and sort of push graphics as far as they could go yeah and honestly like this does the 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 graphics do feel like this was priority number one and then everything else kind of fell by the wayside but there was some nuanced gameplay here and i think if you're somebody who really likes like accurate uh simulation racing type games i think this might be your best option on the n64 i think previously i would say it was ridge racer but ridge racer is more arcade-y. ridge racer is even more arcadey than this and i would say this this just looks fantastic it's uh it's just kind of amazing to watch uh in in person it's probably not going to be one that i go to privately just because this isn't generally my type well, of game, play, but I can really to play a game it. that was designed as a graphical showcase from like 1999. Right. is a weird choice. It's a it's a <laughs> but, it's a tall order, yeah. yeah. But it, you know, I would say this is this is not an expensive game. Uh, you could probably scoop it up pretty easily at your local game store. Uh, I would say it's worth a it's worth a buck or two. You yeah, know, if you to, en- if you enjoy this type of game, I, I do think that this is one to check out. And absolutely, you probably didn't because you were like, I'm not spending anything on World Driver Championship, World Extreme Racing. I'm gonna play something with a more distinctive title like Quest sixty four. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Do you think that they design games anymore? Like. This game really has a feeling of we're going to start by making something that looks great. Yeah. And we'll just sort of build around that. Do you think that they do that anymore as design? Like our first priority is to have something, you know, that looks awesome. And then we'll figure out the gameplay beyond that. Can you think of any modern games that have hmm. that aesthetic? 
I don't, not off the top of my head, but maybe it's just because like, I almost feel like I'm super jaded about modern video games. Like I just kind of take for granted that they're all going to look great. Yeah. Uh, I feel like most more like things are more like holistic now. Like, yeah. If there's a high budget game, like they're going to put in the money everywhere. Yeah. I feel like maybe the Final Fantasy remake started that way in the sense because like they just had to advertise it with like trailers like so much of that game's life was like what can we do with trailers that will really wow people well and i think that the expectation around that game for the longest time too was just that it was going to be a prettier version of the existing game so yeah i could see where that was coming from too yeah and then they just developed into something very different and weird they realized they could charge people multiple times for it <laughs> sure can um well cool that's world driver champion we've got one last discussion question here this is from blake bickerstaff who asks a pretty big question here do you like Nintendo 64 more or less than you did before you started the show? I'll let you jump okay, into that. I'm sure. curious what you think. I mean, I this. have two answers here. The yes first, and as, no. As, well, yeah, <laughs> correct. As a system, I like it less. Yeah. I think it is a worse system than I remember it. I think that this would probably happen to almost... Well, maybe that's not true. I think mm. most systems, that if you were could go back and play every game for that system, yeah. you would probably like it less. Probably. Because mostly, you only bought decent games for this system. Occasionally, you got screwed on a couple things. But in the N64, like, is a pretty small selection of games that are really great. Yeah. Um, but now I have, like, a fun, like... I'm closer to the... I've developed a real affection for the N64 because I've now spent more time talking about it than any other system. Yeah. And now I know more about it than any other system, and I know more about the game library than any other system. Thanks, uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now I have an emotional attachment to it that I didn't quite before. Like, my emotional attachment was always to Super Nintendo because mm -hmm. um, that's sort of the games that most had clicked with me. Yeah. Um, but now I've sort of... Found, I've found stuff to love about the N64, even though I don't think it's the games or, yeah. the, or the controller. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I landed in a similar place. I think I've come away feeling a great deal more affection for the N64 while also uh, becoming way more aware of its flaws. Mm -hmm. But I think that just kind of makes me like it. It makes me kind of double down on liking it. I don't know. I, I, I always root for an underdog. And the N64 is just very scrappy, and uh, most of the games suck. I would say, like, a great... I'm, I'm, you know, looking over our list, I'm like, man, there's maybe only, like, 50, if I'm being super yeah. honest. There's you maybe, just, like, 50 games that I would go back and replay. Yeah, starting like, a game, like, 100 on, you're just getting into, like, this game's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They start to fall apart, and they, they just don't really hold up in a modern context, and you start becoming hyper-aware of how blurry everything is and how many how many uh, concessions had to be made on ports and like to how, try and fit it onto a cartridge. The, how lacking of variety like the console is in terms of game genres. Yeah. Like there's so little in terms of like if you want a shooter or yeah. if you want an RPG. Like again, like it's really got certain game types covered. But I remember like the N64 like game criticisms were like, well, that was a bad system. We always, and we thought of it as a failure, but like everyone that I knew was like, N64 is awesome. Like, we've played it so much. And yeah. now when you sort of expand out and you're like, oh, if I was a critic at the time and I had to play all this, I could see why I would say it was not a good system. Yeah, it was much more of a monoculture there. Like, you you didn't... I think now you, you just order Steam or, or everything's on sale all the time. You can download it digitally. So everybody has 
libraries of hundreds of games <laughs> now. And when the Nintendo 64 was popular, everyone had four games. And so But it you, was also nice cuz they were the same four games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so we we had we had that unity like everybody played GoldenEye, yeah. everybody played Mario Kart, you know? So you, And that was you really that. all you needed. Like yeah. I feel like you can't really skate by with that anymore. Um but yeah, the N6 like the good games on it were so good that it really yeah. gave it gave it legs, but And I've been very excited about like the little treasures that we found on this show and there are some there are you know there 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 are the goemon games and they're like the hybrid heaven there's lots of like weird little cool games that were outside of the n64 mainstream you know but long story short i got a tattoo of the n64 logo on my arm and i don't regret it so uh that's i guess that's where my answer lies i mean i will say one more thing that i think that this is sort of the time we're playing through an interesting time where essentially video games had to restart. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it was like Atari and sort of that era was like just getting technology to function. Yeah. NES was like, what is good game design? Super Nintendo and Genesis was like, okay, we figured out good game design. Now we're going to make great games. Yeah. And then N64 and PlayStation was kind of like, oh, we got to figure this out again. Right. We don't know how. Um, I don't. I don't feel like we've. Yeah, the, the N sixty four and the PlayStation era like is always fascinating to me because it's just the awkward teenage years of mm-hmm. video gaming, and I feel like every video game we're gonna play from now on is gonna have a certain level of polish that's just missing here, and I yeah. think that makes it endearing. Well, and I, and I feel like now I've kind of. I don't know. I feel like a lot of when I try to play bigger games, it feels like they settled into kind of a rut. Yeah. Because again, it's just like I started The Last of Us, and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna follow this guy around a hallway. Yeah. And oh, you have this sort of alchemy mechanic where you make thing, you know, you craft things, and yeah. it's just everyone's sort of figured out how all these mechanics work, and just sort of each game is sort of a mixture of these mechanics in different sure. proportions. And, and it's just all- seeing how many how many different ways there are to iterate this. Yeah, yeah, and it's always well done. That's what I realized with Uncharted. I'm like, oh, this is just Gears of War plus Prince of Persia. Sure. <laughs> and it's great. Like, those are great things. Yeah, yeah. But it's not really like, oh, this is something totally different than what I've seen. Totally. And I, I'm sure, you know, we always, I always say something like that. And then I play the next game. Where I'm like, wow, this is totally different than yeah. what I've seen. And I'm sure we'll get there again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's been a little bit of a rut. I'm excited to see what the next big thing is. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Before we move on to our letters, let's do our uh, rankings of these three games today. And thank you, Blake, for that question. That was yeah, uh, that's a very thought provoking question. question. So each week we are adding the games that we have just played to our ongoing rankings. Uh, and I'll start us off with this one. Sure. Um, I think it's pretty clear my, my favorite of the day was uh, World Driver Championship. Yep. I think it's an extremely solid simulator game. Definitely check it out if you have the chance. Uh, I'm going to put it at number 71, nice. which is just under Mario Golf. Okay. Um, California Games that are well done and polished, but also kind of boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say that. I mean, that is a fair thing for World Driver as well. Uh, California Speed is my next one. Uh, that's 141. That's going to be underneath Doom 64. I couldn't in good conscience put it above any of the cruising games, but it's it's a sloppy, weird mess of a game, and uh, it's kind of fun for that. Yeah. And then finally, uh, uh, Automobili Lamborghini is the bottom of my list. That's 175 underneath Biofreaks. Uh, oh, still Biofreaks. Yo, Biofreaks. I want to play Biofreaks again. <laughs> See, I'd much rather play Biofreaks yeah. than uh, Automobili Lamborghini. But uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, look the Lamborghini game. It, it's far from the worst thing we've played on the system. It's just I'm gonna forget anything about it. Yeah. 
Um, my ratings are similar. Uh, World Ch- Driver Championship was the best game we played. I didn't like it quite as much as you because I was much worse at it. Mm. But I'm putting it at number 122, which is right under Load Runner and above of Tigger's Honey Hunt. Um, California Speed was dumb fun. Yeah. Um, it's, it'll definitely occupy you for 10, 15 minutes, and you'll have a nice time. Really no more than um, that, but it's yeah. It's going right under Cruise and Exotica, which was my lowest-ranked Cruise and game. It's sort of right right in that same level. Feels right. Yeah. Automobili uh, is going 196, which is right under Bass Hunter 64. Oof. Oof. Um, yeah, that game, w- it was bland and frustrating. Yeah. So kind of the worst of both worlds. Yeah, 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 not great. But what is great is the letters that we have today. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for writing in. Ultra64podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your mail. This first one, short and sweet, and uh, leaves me out of it entirely. Oh, no. Uh, Woody, you were right. I just made it to the end of Blastcore. You ride a rocket to the freaking moon and drive a dump truck in low gravity. You guys are the best, Jared. So hey, thanks, thanks, Jared. Jared. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, the blast course gets so hard at the end. So kudos yeah. to you, Jared. Like, That's impressive. It is because that dump truck is so hard to kill things with, and like the last levels, like all you get is the dump truck. Yeah. They make it like you give you like no leeway of that missile. Oh, what a great game. Awesome. Thank you, Jared, and thank you for uh, for your service with the Blast Corps. <laughs> uh, all right, our next letter. Hey, Steve Woody, guests. Nope, nope. not this time. Sorry. Uh, I just want to thank you for helping me get through grad school. Uh, oh. Whenever I was stressed out, I would force myself to take a long walk and listen to y'all. It not only brought me back to my childhood, uh, Team Harvest Moon 64 all day. Nice. Uh, I cannot wait uh, to see what you all do to follow this. Best of luck and thanks a bunch. That's from Blake, and he adds a postscript. He says, Jean-Luc from Winback was very formative in my realizing I was a big old homo. So that episode was a great listen. Whoa! So that makes me wonder what uh, everyone i want you all to write in with this who were your n64 crushes your 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 hunks and your hunk eggs? that that is the best thing anyone could possibly say about winback i, I, lo- I love, love the that. idea of winback awaking someone's sexuality that's amazing a guy named jean-luc cougar yeah. are you kidding me yeah definitely i mean oh man winback just went up like three places on my <laughs> list <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, right in with your uh, with your hunk and hunkhead of choice and because I, I'm curious. And I will set like, man, podcast just in general. Like, there's been few things that have been as helpful to me because, like, I don't know. The, the, I've gone through like months now of like I have a lot of time and I can just play video games. And I realize that the joy of playing video games all the time is not what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah. at some point you realize you're like, gee, I. This is you miss the community I, I element. I have infinite games to play, but I don't really want to. Yeah, and so kind of the most appealing thing has just been sort of walking down by the harbor and listening to a podcast. Yeah, yeah, hundred so. percent. So we're we're glad that helped you, and congratulations on graduating from grad school. That's congratulations. We are a hallmark card. All right, one. Uh, well, we have a few more letters. Well, uh, hey, Steve, Woody, impossible guest. Sorry, we keep letting everybody down today. Uh, first off, I've been looking for something like your podcast for quite some time. Uh, found you on Spotify and have loved every minute of it. I find both of you very funny and love your insightful dialogue on everything N64 related. Thank do you, you. Do you only read like the letters that are nice to us on the air? Oh yeah. There's one that's just like completely insulting all the time. Oh, no, that's not true. I, we get very nice letters from people. <laughs> that's good. I mean, it would be kind of a dick move to just like write us a mean letter. Yeah. So, yeah. A little bit. Like who, who does it benefit? Who does that? Yeah. 
Uh, I am both a video game nerd who loves listening to reviews of games and a completionist when it comes to playing them. However, I do have my limits if I feel a quest is purposefully wasting my time or offers little in the way of reward. Mm-hmm. Are there any or a games? Quest sixty four, if you will. There you go. <laughs> are there any games out there that you have one hundred percent completed? Maybe some that you are a bit ashamed to have one hundred percented. Also, are there any games that you would be willing to do a series of episodes on where you review and discuss the whole game in depth, level by level? Something Whoa. like an Ocarina of Time where you talk about each dungeon. I really do enjoy listening to you both and uh, look forward to your new podcast every week. Thanks again for the Happy N64 memories. P.S. I can't wait to hear what you do for your next podcast. Of course, I'm partial to video game reviews, but whatever you end up doing, I'll be listening. Nice. That's from Kevin in Champaign, Illinois. Thank you, Kevin. That's Whoa. so nice of you. Oh, do you think that Champaign, Illinois, like, makes champagne? And they're like, because people are like, oh, it's not really champagne unless it's from the champagne. <laughs> it's like, spelled it, different, it, I think. Yeah, uh, right? It is champagne because it's from Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> loophole they got it (laughs) um so to answer the question have we under 100 percent of games oh my god so much uh every once in a while i'll look at uh, an accomplishments list on uh playstation network and just be like oh i could i can knock this out so like i I mentioned the spyro games earlier i recently 100 percented that entire uh collection which is pretty easy and fun to do I've 100%ed Spider-Man, which is a pretty easy one. Um, the Saboteur on PS3 randomly. I think I, I think that's the one I would say I regret a little bit, just because that Boy, was. I don't a, even remember that game. That's the game where you're you're the Irish guy working for the French Resistance okay. in Nazi-occupied uh, France, and it's like an open-world GTA clone. Uh, and I did 100% it, and. It's like not it's not it wasn't terribly satisfying, but it took a lot of time. And I definitely regret 100 percenting Final Fantasy X because there was a there's a part in that in order to get Lulu's ultimate weapon, I believe you have to dodge 200 lightning strikes in a row, which is extremely hard to do. And anytime you get hit, you have to restart. So it's ridiculously difficult, but I did it because I was depressed and didn't want to leave my house. Okay. So I spent a lot of time with Final Fantasy X. I think I would not go that in-depth on that one now. Yeah. I I don't know. Most of the games, I tend to play a lot of older stuff. So, like, I don't... They didn't do as good a job as telling you when you hit 100% in something in older games. Yeah. Because there wasn't just achievements there. Right. Um, more modern ones that I... I know that I've 100%ed because of achievements are Enter the Gungeon mm. and Spelunky, yeah. which um, are kind of feats to get there. So I was proud of myself. That's huge, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, maybe the longest game I 100%ed was Final Fantasy VI. Oh, yeah. Um, because I just was enjoying it so much that I sort of wanted to explore everywhere. Though that game has so many little touches yeah. that I'm not sure if I got found them all. Yeah. But I felt like I really squeezed it for what it was worth i also remember really getting into xenosaga oh yeah um, and wanting to sort of 100 percent it but again at some point i just kind of hit a wall and i'm like i'm ready for this game to be done and then i just sort of cruise through and once i beat a game it's so hard to want to go back yeah and unlock more stuff like it was the same with breath of the wild i like got the master sword and i'm like okay i'm powerful enough to finish this and Man. then once you beat the game you're like why do i want more stamina yeah, exactly. What, what am I going to do with any of this now, yeah. you know, now that everything's pretty much done? Um, all right, we have another letter here. It says, hey, Steve, Woody, and potential player three and four. I like that, play, player three and four. It might be a while, just spoiler oh, yeah. alert, letter writers. It might be a while before we have players three and four. Yeah, it's know. true. We're trying it's... to pace it out very gradually, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll, there. We'll Skype people in sometimes. 
Uh, I have been listening to your podcast in a random order, and just recently I listened to an hey, episode. That's, that's the episode we're recording them in. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just listened to an episode that ended with a fan mail asking about N64 games that are good for toddlers. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you about how my one-year-old son, Connor, now finds my Wii U controller and turns on Mario 64 from the Quick Play menu and yells, Mawo, <laughs> which is his version of Mario, Very cute. and growls Bowser. He watches for about four minutes, then goes off to do toddler things. I just thought I would let you know that Mario has always been one of the best recommendations. Thanks for all you do. And that is from Peter from Canada. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. That's a very cute yeah. story. I Aww. like that idea. Mario is a really good recommendation. I feel like that's sort of just a general thing is like, well-designed game is good for anyone. And, a, it, yeah. and I mean, Mario is nice because it doesn't have all those crazy button combinations. No. Like Banjo-Kazooie, okay, hold Z and press left C <laughs> yeah. to, to run on your chicken feet. You just need a very basic level of dexterity and hand-eye coordination for Mario. So that's that's definitely a better fit. But thank you for writing because... Mario. Mario. Mario 64. Uh, and finally, uh, last letter oh, here. So many letters. Hi, Steve, Woody, and guest. Oh, no, sorry. So, so, so many thoughtful writers. Uh, I was very excited when I heard you guys are going to finally cover Paper Mario, uh, which we did last week. Thank you for listening. I love that game, and it is easily number one or two when it comes to my rankings of games on the system. Totally legit. Number three for us. Yep. Pretty close. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about during your discussion was one particular boss in the game. During the chapter where you meet Bo the Boo, uh, the big bad guy is named Tubba Blubba. Yeah. The this key was another moment that I thought was in the Thousand Year Door, but oh. actually in this game. Uh, the key but. to defeating him is finding his heart, which he has removed in order to be invincible. This whole segment is creepy and grotesque, and I love it. You meet his heart, who speaks to you and hops around. You actually fight the heart, and the image of Mario stomping on someone's heart <laughs> is very bizarre. Tubba Blubba eventually reunites with his heart by swallowing it. Most of the game has a very kid-friendly aesthetic, but this entire segment seems wildly out of place. Do you guys have any other examples of games where one part of it seems to not fit with the rest? I love the podcast. I recently became a supporter on Patreon. Thank, Thank you. you Keep much. up the good work. That is from Elliot. Thank you, Elliot. That's awesome. Uh, and check out Ultra64Pod on Patreon.com. It's yeah, great. There's lots, lots of content there. Lots of content there. Um, so parts of games that seem incongruous with the rest of the tone. I don't of know if tone. I can just pull this one out. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I think the, the go-to example I always have, and this is kind of a spoiler if you haven't played this game, but is uh, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Okay. Because the final boss fight with Ganon ends with Link jumping way the fuck in the air and then oh, slamming yeah, his sword that. in between Ganon's eyes. And if you know Wind Waker, this is the one that looks the most like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. It's like a lighthearted seafaring adventure. So that just seemed like a shockingly violent way to end that pleasant game. Yeah, I remember that moment. I yeah. guess in that same idea, um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, I think, is way too scary of a game. It's a very scary like, game. For they triple down on that with Majora's Mask, but we'll get to that. Well, yeah, it, like those. There was a couple moments in that game when I played it when I first got it. Like I think the Spirit Temple. Yeah. Um, where I just had to stop playing because I'm like, this is just too creepy. Oh God! I like, remember fighting the boss of that level, the Bongo Bongo, yeah. and my mom was watching us play that game, and she had to leave the room because she's like, "No, this is too much." She doesn't like video games, but she's like, "This is freaking me out. Like, I have to leave." Yeah, it is. It is just very odd, like how much that game sort of veers back and forth. And I yeah. don't think there's been any other, like even Majora's Mask, I, for as sort of weird and surreal as that game is, I don't think that there's any part that's kind of as dark and spooky i think as. it's more consistently dark than okra maybe that's yeah the thing. maybe it's I guess just it it's fits like better yeah the tone is you, more you, consistent you went to like 
you were at like the like bright Gerudo level and yeah, things yeah. like that, and it sort of felt a lot lighter. And then you would go into this spooky graveyard temple. Oh man, you still I still remember the first time like pulling that sword out of the Temple of Time. And then walking out of the temple and yeah. everything is just a ruin cro- covered with those horrible zombies. Those zombies are just, oh. those those guys are the worst. No, I the worst ones guys. are the ones that are just the long arms that stick out of the ground. Ugh. And then if they grab you, like this big Cronenbergian worm monster comes out that's just made of arms. Oh, ugh. yeah, good pick, Ocarina of Time. I'm, I'm, switching, I'm switching that with wind back on my list now. Okay, <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is it. That's it. That's all we got for this week. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. We always love getting these letters, and these were all very thoughtful and very fun. Thank you to everybody for sending your discussion questions. Uh, Keep sending us those, because (laughs) we we have more more racing games still to play. Uh, Yeah, you wouldn't think so, but I think we have at least two or three more episodes of racing games ahead of us. So look out for those. Uh, You're not going to be getting that next week, though, because next week we're going to be playing Ms. Pac-Man Maze Madness, uh, which is a game I've been excited to play because it's, spoiler alert, really fun. I really like this game a lot. It's really fun. Uh, We'll see if I still feel that way, but I I quite like this game. Um, So tune in for that, Waka Waka. Uh, (laughs) And in the meantime, Squibbly. Bam. Squibbam. Bam. Bam.